Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. Hey, what is up, Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast listeners? Matthew Betts, Matt Okada, back tonight. Uh, it's been a while, man, and it feels like it's been years, even though it's only been like a week and a half since we've last recorded. Um, but it, it's been a, a bit of a down week, and, and I think the entire sports world is feeling that, obviously, uh, with the passing of Kobe Bryant and, of course, the other victims in the helicopter crash this past Sunday, which is why we did not record. We were supposed to have Nate Hamilton on the show talking through some dynasty buys and sells, and we decided, you know, all of us just we weren't in it. Our hearts weren't in it. We were all, you know, obviously affected by what happened as all of you are or too. And, and, you know, so we decided to postpone. So we are back tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday. Nate is back with us. We will record that on Friday. And I think Okada, the plan is to release that uh, early next week. Is that correct? Yeah, I think post Super Bowl, uh, we're going to, well, we won't spoil what we're going to talk about, but it's going to have to do with next season and looking forward. So post Super Bowl, we'll get into that. And uh, it'll be the beginning of the 2020 Officially. football yes, year. Sir. We do have one more game, though, to go. Yeah. And, and we're going to talk about that in great detail yes, tonight. Probably a little bit of a shorter show, uh, talking through some player props that we're going to... Well, not we. Uh, I will probably be betting Okada is not allowed to <laughs> because of his affiliation with the NFL Network. Uh, some DFS showdown slate stuff. Uh, and then, of course, talking through the overall game itself as far as what we expect to happen so that is the plan for tonight but before we do Okada let's just kind of reflect on the craziness of the past few days man I don't know about you but I'm still pretty shook I know you're out in LA um what what are you feeling out there with what's going on with Kobe and let's just kind of share uh our favorite Kobe moments in his career Ooh. um well yeah, it's pretty intense out here, and it and obviously was extremely intense on Sunday. Um, my first uh, experience of of the news was actually my mom texting oh, wow. me. The hospital that she, that she works at apparently the TMZ story broke that like the second it initially broke was she saw it, and so this was like at, it was either ten thirty or eleven thirty. I can't remember which, but it was before it was anywhere else. And what she literally texted me was. Is this real about Kobe oh, Bryant? And I and I immediately started Googling and Twitter searching, which if it has happened, right. it's on Twitter. And there was nothing yet. It was that early. And so I literally texted back, no, I just did a full search. It's not real. It's TMZ, which means it's, you know, not necessarily reliable journalism. I don't think this is real. So my first like half hour of experiencing the story was literally believing it was not true. And then obviously everything fell into place and yeah, it like I grew up here um and I grew up a Lakers fan, so I don't necessarily want to say that like it it carries extra weight out here because I think he was a legend to, to pretty much everybody not only across the country but the world. But it definitely does, you know, have a pretty hefty impact out here. I live 20 minutes from the Staples Center. We have billboards everywhere. Buses have the bus numbers flashing to RIP Kobe. And I see that every day on my drive home. Um, so, yeah, it's 
it's pretty heavy, obviously. And like you said, it was not easy to, I guess, be in good spirits last or earlier in the week. Um, I think now with a lot of the kind of post um, or the, the days after coverage that we've got to see where so many people have banded around this, this city in particular where I live has certainly come behind um, Kobe and the family and uh, the kind of the legacy. So that's been really encouraging. I think that has kind of helped a lot. Um, certainly, I would say memory-wise, it's hard to pick from any of the several finals or anything like that. So I would actually probably say it was his last yes. game, which was insane. And I remember watching the whole thing. Um, and simultaneously having a slight feeling of like, are they allowing this to a degree? But then at the same time, like he was so he was playing so out of his mind that even if they were not trying to allow anything, he would have been balling. It was absolutely crazy. And it was probably the greatest send off we'll ever see from a sports player. Certainly of that legendary. Yeah, they re- re-showed that on Monday night on ESPN and I rewatched it. And yep. man, just uh, lots of lots of feelings for sure. Um, and just, you know, kind of speaking to what you were saying with just the overall sentiment it's such a sad scenario right like this guy is um seen everywhere with his kids and you know everyone's saying this dude was such a good dad and so proud to be a good dad so that's that's the sad part about it and we don't want to just talk about you know kobe of course but also the other families involved so uh the red shirts pod is certainly thinking of everyone affected by this no doubt i would say my favorite memory of kobe and i feel like i have to go on brand here with an injury aspect is the torn Achilles mm-hmm. getting to the line yep. knocking down some free throws and then walking off the court which when you tear your Achilles yep. you know and you know bad things are ahead um, so just the, even, the, even like the physical ability to do it first off but then secondly the mental state to just be like you know what Mamba mentality I'm knocking this down and then I'm getting off the court so um, yeah man it's it's gonna be uh, tough to not really you know have him as one of our sports icons anymore moving forward but obviously uh, always uh, on our minds for sure. So with that being said, let's go ahead and kick it over here, Okada. Let's get into other news around the NFL. I got great news, guys. All right, man. I don't know what it is, but Kareem Hunt is just not on the right path. And and it's not... New. It's not encouraging because he was a guy that I was really excited to go out and make some trade offers for in Dynasty Leagues. But if you have not heard the news, it is that he was pulled over with a traffic incident uh, in Cleveland. And that's not even really the big news. Uh, The big news that came of it is actually the police dashboard camera, which of course picked up the audio of he and Kareem Hunt exchanging their conversation and Kareem Hunt admitting to the fact that if he was going to take a, a drug test right now, he would fail it. He did have marijuana in the car as well as I think it was a bottle of vodka um, or whatever it is. But basically, you know, it's just not a good look for a guy who obviously has a history. And I think it really does affect his free agency status. He is a restricted free agent. And I think that can really affect him moving forward here in a couple of months. I think this puts him back with the Browns. Yeah, that's certainly possible. Um I feel like it might be more possible if Dorsey was still there because uh, he kind of had a 
second chance either either it was a give everyone a second chance mindset or it was a I don't care what you do off the field I just care what you do on the field mindset it was one of those two things because he certainly did not have a problem bringing in some questionable or people with questionable uh incidents in their past um so that maybe we'll see a, a change kind of away from that um what it what it really does for me is it kind of follow, following on the footsteps of Josh Gordon this year it gives me this overall sense that, you know, every time one of these types of things happens, there's a buy-sell window in, especially in Dynasty, even sometimes in Redraft, where it's either, it, do you buy this guy at this reduced price because of this incident that's, you know, potentially damaging his career, or do you sell because the, his career is going to be very negatively affected by this, and this is a time to sell, and it's always the big question. And I feel like, we need to be more conscious of the fact that more often than not, and certainly not every time, there is plenty of redemption in stories like this across not just this sport but others. But there is a lot of recurrence of just off-the-field issues with people who get into off-the-field issues of the kinds that Kareem Hunt and also Josh Gordon and others have gotten yeah. into. And so I think it's just kind of maybe a reminder to say Maybe when the first one happens, even though there is a chance that it will not happen again, it is a better chance to sell than to buy because people think that they are going to for sure come back and not have those kinds of issues again. And now we're seeing that kind of issue happening again. I don't know what it will mean as far as, you know, uh, games, suspensions, whatever it may be. We don't really know the details at all yet. I do think, to your point, it's possible he stays in Cleveland as a result and doesn't get a big contract somewhere else, as he may have. I was actually considering buying him uh, because of that. He certainly is a great player on the field, but yeah, the off the field stuff, yeah, no bueno. You don't like to see the trend for sure. And I don't know if you heard the audio there, Okada, but basically he was saying, you know, it's not supposed to be like this. I was supposed to be in the Super Bowl. So, you know, there definitely is some other stuff mentally going on with, with Kareem. Uh, hopefully he gets on the right track and bounce back not only for the NFL and for fantasy, but also for just the overall uh, well-being there. So uh, hopefully that does happen there for Hunt. Next piece of news here, Okada, let's get into the fact that the where's the show doc here we go <laughs> the chargers. chargers i have too many tabs open <laughs> the chargers have moved on from philip rivers the time has come and i think it's probably the right move personally i think that's the right move for the franchise you know philip rivers was very good as a quarterback in the nfl and still is obviously it isn't retired he'll hopefully get another shot but looking at what this offense could have been and looking at what this team could have done in the past two to three years, Rivers just wasn't getting them there. And, you know, it's it's exciting, I think, for the overall offense from a, uh, a change of scenery, obviously, with the new stadium coming soon. I, I think that's big time. But let's talk about Phillip Rivers, man. I mean, he just moved to Florida. Is that foreshadowing? Do you see him signing with a team down there in Florida? Or is he going to go elsewhere in 2020? Um... I don't I don't see why he would, not from his perspective, but from the team's down there's perspective. The Dolphins have a great chance at an elite quarterback in the draft, or what what they hope to be an elite prospect in the draft. Uh, the Buccaneers already have Phillip Rivers, but way younger <laughs> in James All the Winston. Turnovers. Um, and the Jaguars, 
I mean, it's kind of messy there, but they just, they're not going to, they just signed a quarterback to a massive deal and they have a potential rookie or what was rookie now young quarterback to groom who could be the guy. Um, but certainly signing a almost 40 year old veteran doesn't seem like the solution. Honestly, I don't know if I really see a great future for Phillip Rivers. He trended back pretty heavily this year. I think he was arguably took the biggest step back of any quarterback in the NFL this year. Um, Tom Brady, not great either. But we're talking about, and obviously passer rating is not an end-all be-all, but across the league, passer rating is going up. The league average is going up. Every quarterback in the league is going up. Phillip Rivers posted his worst passer rating in four seasons, one of the worst passer ratings in the league, and he did not no. look good. Like the, He did not pass the eye test for me. Um, and, to, and to your point, definitely could be considered having cost the, the, the Chargers games. Um, lots of turnovers just didn't look great. So it's possible he gets like a one-year deal as a bridge guy maybe somewhere, but I don't see it. If I was a GM, I certainly wouldn't be trying to get him to a three, four-year deal and expecting him to win me a playoff, you know, push or a Super Bowl or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, one place that I've seen him rumored to go that I kind of can can get on board with is the Colts. Uh, obviously, they the team has come out saying that they're not really sold on Brissett as a starter. Um, they've got weapons in place and, and a pretty good offense in house as is to be a good fit, I think, for Rivers. So that's something that I will be keeping an eye on for sure. But as far as the the Chargers in general, the first thing that came to mind when I saw this news was Mike Williams. The amount of deep balls Phillip Rivers attempted to throw that were underthrown that Mike Williams had to literally stop and come back for um, was remarkable this year, man. And I remember one specifically like against the Broncos at like the 50-yard line. He stops on a dime, has the defender beat by like five yards. If a, a quarterback puts that where it's supposed to be, he's in the end zone. Uh, and he had to stop and, of course, was got, got tackled on the play. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's encouraging for him there as well. But we'll see what happens, what they do at the quarterback position. Next couple pieces of news, Okada, will be quick on these is injury-related. Mitchell Trubisky just had surgery on his left non-throwing shoulder to repair the torn labrum in the shoulder. And I'll just speak to it real quick, Okada. You can touch on it if you want to. But uh, essentially, this is a non-issue for fantasy. You know, you're looking at a a quarterback who it's the opposite shoulder of what he throws with. So there's no real concerns like there was with Andrew Luck. This is a pretty straightforward rehab, usually about six months. So obviously, we're recording this at the end of January He'll be ready to go well ahead of week one. Uh, anything else you want to add in there on Mitch Trubisky? Not really. Um, we'll, I think we'll have to kind of evaluate over the season how we feel about him moving forward in Dynasty, but that's certainly a, a later yeah. conversation. And, and quick side note, too, just so our listeners are aware, um, Okada and I haven't been on the mic quite as much recently. It's a little bit of a slower time for, for football, but I've been putting in the work, uh, putting it together in my off-season injury notebook, uh, which you can get at patreon.com slash richardspod. It's also available on the website. Um, and I'm going to be adding players into that every single day. I just added Mitch Trubisky today, so this is good timing. Last player here to talk about from an injury perspective, Tevin Coleman. And this can go right into our, our Super Bowl preview, Okada, so we don't even really need to break up these two segments, is trending in the right direction. Obviously, he had a dislocated shoulder two weeks ago. It's his right shoulder. And his injury now is looking like one that is going to be able to hold up okay in the game. I'm a little bit nervous from a rehab and from an injury perspective because of the fact that 
the biggest risk of re-injury with these labral tears in the shoulder is that you have one less piece of the puzzle that helps provide stability in the shoulder. Football, obviously the most well-known contact sport there is, that is what can lead to recurring shoulder instability issues. So uh, for Tevin Coleman, I am projecting him to play well less than what he's done you know, so far in the playoffs. I think this is going to be the Raheem Mostert show through and through. Um, what are you hearing about this as far as the Niners breakdown? Do you think Tevin Coleman gets more work than I'm projecting? Or are you with me in the fact that I think he's going to be more of a role player? Um... Maybe I think it's somewhere a little bit in between. The thing with Kyle Shanahan is that he is the new Bill Belichick in the sense of whatever you think he's going to do with his running backs, he might have a secret plan that is not that. And it helps when all your running backs are playing well. So if Tevin Coleman is healthy, I think there's a good chance that he has a strong game. We saw him do that a few a few games ago in the playoffs uh, when Raheem Mostert was on an incredible streak. Uh, in fact, he has been incredible all since back in week like 11, 10 or 11, I think. Mostert has been unstoppable, and yet Coleman still got to have a super game out of nowhere in the playoffs. So I think there is a chance that Coleman has an interestingly good game. But having said that, Raheem Mostert just had the best playoff game yes, of did. all time by a running back. I don't necessarily know how you get away from that. Um, yes, the offensive line and the scheme are so good that you or I could probably have a decent playoff game uh, behind that, <laughs> behind that setup. But Mostert is explosive. He's looked incredible. Coleman is also very good, but I don't think that he'll be, you know, 100%. And I don't know why you would want to rely on a less than 100% guy when you have a 100% guy who just had the greatest game of all time. So... Yes, Coleman could do something more than I think what you're expecting. Do I expect that? No. So I think we both could kind of expect the yeah, same and, thing. Yeah, and real quick, just to speak to it, you know, he's going to have um, a harness on that shoulder, which basically prevents the, the shoulder from moving too far away from the body. So uh, I know the Niners aren't really a team known for getting their running backs involved too much, or at least a lot of dynamically uh, designed plays for running backs out of the backfield from a, a pass-catching standpoint, like Damian Williams is for the Chiefs. But that is one thing to note, is that will limit his catch radius. So I think we'll see a little bit more Matt Breda, a little bit more Raheem Mostert, especially on passing downs there for Jimmy G. Okay, man, we're going to get into the game. We're going to break it down here in a second. But before we do, we have a new sponsor to talk about. This is one of my favorite products to actually eat like it is so delicious this is going to help you all meet your fitness goals we are partnering with nuts and more that's right nuts and apostrophe more listen man these guys have a fantastic product they have got delicious nut butters snack packs to go and they're all super super healthy they have got uh, protein in them to help you reach those fitness goals i know okada's been in the gym working out he needs this product for sure <laughs> And uh, and the flavors, too, are delicious, man. They've got some really good ones, cookies and cream, uh, cookie dough, etc. So, you know, it's it's dessert, guilt-free. Uh, I use this product. I've got a couple of friends that use this product, and they absolutely love it. And we're super excited to partner with them. So head on over to Nuts and More. This is Nuts, apo- or, I'm sorry, not apostrophe, hyphen, N, apostrophe. Why do I keep saying that? Nuts, hyphen, N, hyphen, more.com slash redshirts. When you go there... Red shirts is the code to use for 15% off your order today. All right, man. Where do we want to go with this Super Bowl preview? Where do you want to start? Ooh. Oh, my goodness. There's so many places to start. 
Um, what is your number one storyline to watch? Ooh, Let's go with one. that. I think my favorite storyline that, that people have been talking about that I've been hearing is the Patrick Mahomes pass catching um, options, basically outside of Tyree Kill. Who is going to be the guy that steps up that's not named Tyree Kill, that's not named Travis Kelsey? Because there's got to be one. And I think when you look at the matchup with the Niners secondary, I think most people are, are a little bit worried about that, especially from like a DFS perspective. Um, so I think that's interesting to talk about. Is there a, a wide receiver three, maybe, um, or, or Damian Williams even, like kind of as that third pass catcher that's going to really open things up for Mahomes because his over-under on passing yards is at 299.5 the last time I looked. So Vegas is expecting a big game from Mahomes, and obviously we know what he can do when his weapons get involved. Yeah, especially against uh, the 49ers, that's a big game because they've allowed basically half of that on average during the season. Um, yeah, they're elite, and it's going to be tough for him. Uh, and the, the toughest part of this question is who outside of Tyreek Hill, because I think that if someone's going to have a good game or a huge game, it is going to be Tyreek Hill because I think that you can potentially beat some of the, the best 49ers corners deep, obviously especially Richard Sherman. Uh, who's not going to necessarily be covering Tyreek Hill very often. In fact, if I were the 49ers, I would be trying to avoid that as much as possible. Um, but maybe the Chiefs will intentionally, therefore, scheme Tyreek Hill towards his side, which Sherman usually stays on the side. Which, by the way, that storyline for me is going to be one of the most interesting, is what happens between Sherman, where he lines up, and Tyreek Hill. Where does, how much Sherman does he get? How much does he not get? In any of those cases... I think it's going to be Tyreek Hill, Tyre Hill who has the big game. I think Travis Kelsey is going to have several important catches. Um, and then I do think I would bounce down to Damian Williams. I don't necessarily think I would skip over to, to Sammy Watkins uh, or Nicole Hardman, although certainly one of them could break a big play. I think it's more likely that we see a quick game. Uh, listen, there is one ideal way to destroy Patrick Mahomes and that is to get at him without having to blitz yes. with with a three or four man rush and the 49ers can do that and they can do it quick because they have the best defensive line in the league they have arguably two or three of the top you know 10 pass rushers uh it's just in incredible what they've got up front so if they are going to get to Mahomes quick, and that means that the best way for Mahomes to survive is to get the ball out quick. And so I think that Damian Williams could be a safety valve type option, especially if the 49ers get up and Mahomes has to throw, you know, 40, 50 times. I think a lot of those are going to end up being dump offs and Damian Williams could rack up a decent. Yeah, PPR I like that style. call a lot. His line right now is three and a half receptions uh, is the line for over under on Damian Williams, I would definitely be in on the over on that personally, and it sounds like you would be too. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've seen what like James White will do in games like this. We've seen what Corey Clement has done in games like this in the Super Bowl. I just feel, uh, yeah, you're <laughs> grinning because that makes me happy. Was like, <laughs> a horrible thing. Yeah, but I feel like sometimes these pass catching running backs will step up in the Super Bowl when it. You know, gets to the third or fourth quarter, and you got to have these long, desperate drives to come back. That that does assume that the Chiefs get into a situation where they do have to. But if they do, it certainly could you know swing in Williams. Yeah, for favor. sure. Let's let's stay with Damian Williams because you know he's been 
white hot as of lately in terms of fantasy and for DFS. It's been fun playing Damian Williams, man. He's playing like 96% of the snaps. He is through and through the bell cow right now for this offense. I don't see that changing at all in this game. But the issue is this is a pretty solid defense as we talked about. One player prop that I want to touch on with Damian Williams, and I think it's super interesting. It opened at 12.5. It got moved up to 13.5 is rush attempts. And for me, that I, I just feel like I want to bet the over on it. I don't know why. I, I think it's because of the fact that he's playing every single down. It's because of the fact that Vegas is expecting a high-scoring game, and certainly if that's the case, they're not going to get game scripted out, so to speak, to only throw the ball. I know they pass the ball a ton, but 12.5 or 13.5, whatever your book has, seems like really a reasonable bet. Um, are you with me on that, or are you going under on that rush attempt player prop? Ooh, that feels really, really close to the right spot, which is not surprising because they usually so know good. what they're doing. Um, yeah. Uh, the So overall, the story that I see potentially going down, and this is a little bit of a spoiler to my, my kind of overall perspective on the game, but the Chiefs have started so slow in the playoffs this season. And the 49ers have not, and the 49ers are very good when they get ahead. Their run game obviously is incredible. Their pass defense is incredible. I think there's a good chance that we see a 49ers up early, Patrick Mahomes getting into the heroics later in the game type of situation, and that does lend away from Damian Williams toting the ball on the ground a lot and more towards potentially four-plus catches, which is why we talked about that line and us both liking the over there. So... I kind of feel like, and partially because I would lean towards the over on those receptions, that I would lean towards the under if it's at 13.5. It's almost like that 12.5 to 13.5 jump is right at that mark that, that would change the the mark yeah. for me, I think. Maybe it would just be one I would stay away from because I feel like it's so so good. But I think if you force me yeah. to, I would take the under. I'm just pulling up a couple of notes I, I took down for Damian Williams preparing for the show tonight. And it's it's absurd, dude. He's run the ball on 83% of the total rush attempts amongst the, the Kansas City running backs in the last six games. In those six games, he has gone to this number three times. The one, or sorry, the three times he did not, he missed it because he came right in at 12 rush attempts. So, yeah, this this line is perfect. Yeah. Uh, it's tough. I probably lean over, but it's not one that I'm super excited about. Uh Go ahead. Uh, also, can we just quickly make note that I think we deserve a small victory lap over Kent, who gave us so much <laughs> trash in the offseason about believing in Damian Williams. And we kind of like submitted to him a little bit halfway through the season because LaShawn McCoy was getting all that stupid work. And Damian Williams had a weird stretch where he disappeared. But now when it matters, they're turning to the guy who's good. So I, I feel like we Suck can take Kent. a lap here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it, it's it's kind of fun to look back at what the season was for Damian Williams because whatever side you were on, you were correct. It, early in the season, he didn't yep. do much. Uh, middle of the season, didn't do much. But when it mattered most, they are definitely turning to him uh, for sure. Let's flip the ball uh, to the other side here. Let's talk about the Niners a little bit because they've got some interesting weapons there on offense. Obviously, with Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders, let's talk about them from more of a, a DFS perspective. Uh, Debo coming in right now. This is on DraftKings. Is at seventy six hundred dollars. Emmanuel Sanders at fifty two hundred. So a very very significant discount on Manny. But man, he has not done anything recently. The last three games he's played, one target, no catches. Two targets, two receptions. 
four targets, three receptions, and hasn't cleared 33 yards in any of those games. So one thing that I'm noticing a lot with Debo is, is in the last three games, 29% target share for that offense. But some people are going to tell you, well, Jimmy G only throws the ball a handful of times a game. That doesn't matter, right? 29% of eight is nothing. So wh- where are you leaning on this? Do you think Jimmy G is going to throw the ball more than he has previously? And do you think re- recency bias is going to get the best of DFS players and or gamblers looking to make some money here on the Niners pass catchers? So this is a bit of a tough one for a number of reasons. First of all, because you asked like seven questions. I want to know everything. Make (laughs) me lots of money. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Here's the thing. I feel like the recency bias is going to be a problem. I feel like there is a big chance that the target share swings a little bit. And one of the main reasons for that is Emmanuel Sanders is essentially the most veteran experienced player on that offense when it comes to a game like this. Obviously, he's been here. He's pretty much the only one who's been here. Um, And Debo Samuel, meanwhile, is 22, 23 years old, has not been in anything close to this sort of game. Um, So I think that there's a good chance that we actually see a little bit of an Emmanuel Sanders resurgence. Uh, and then to another part of your question about how much is Jimmy G going to throw, there's no way he throws the ball eight times in this game. They're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't care about my potential theoretical game script where they do get up early. The Chiefs are not going to stop. The Chiefs are going to score points, and the 49ers are going to have to continue to score points as well. This is going to have to be a keep-your-foot-on-the-gas type of situation for the 49ers, and I think Jimmy G is going to have to throw the ball. And I think Mahomes is going to bring them, bring the Chiefs back if the 49ers do get ahead very quickly. Because that's what he freaking does every <laughs> single game. Every time he touches the ball, once it gets past the first quarter, apparently, he just yeah. goes insane. So, yeah, I think Jimmy G is going to have to throw more than he has. Which I think means you bump up all the, the pass catchers for this offense who have been in a big slump lately. Just because of the, you know, they don't, they haven't needed them. Uh, and I do think I would lean a little bit towards Emmanuel Sanders. Now, having said all of that, you mentioned a price of 5200 That still kind of feels a little bit high for me. I don't know if you're getting any upside of Emmanuel Sanders. You're also not necessarily getting any safety because it's not like, you know, he's a known 5-6 catch value. So I don't know if I necessarily want him in cash uh, or GPP. So I don't know where I'm playing <laughs> those, him. Those are the options. I do kind of that. prefer... <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't know. I do prefer his value versus Debo's, I think, because I think there's a chance that he uh, swings upward in this particular game and Debo swings back. I just don't know if I would be willing to play either of them at those prices. Yeah, sale. and just real quick, speaking to that, the, the prices are, are changed a little bit because it's a one-game slate. So, for example, like Pat Mahomes comes in at the very... Uh, high end of your budget, uh, $12,600. And so 5200 is, is mm-hmm. relatively cheap. Um, just for pr- perspective, Sammy Watkins, 7000 Tyreek Hill, 11000 um, George Kittle, 8400 etc. So it actually is a little bit of a salary saver, but in most slates, it definitely would not be. So I agree with you on that. Um, yeah, man, I, I think I'm with you. I think as far as being able to play these guys, I would probably play a couple lineups with each of them. And I think one really sneaky move is to play a lineup with both of them because no one is going to do that in a tournament. No one wants to play these pass catchers from 
the Niners if they can afford Tyreek Hill, if they can afford Travis Kelsey. So um, I think it's a sneaky way to go. And real quick, you know, just kind of looking at one stat I found, this is per Warren Sharp. So, you know, the best in the business, man, that dude is insane. Uh, when he does his his football research, um, looking at what the offense did, this is for the Niners in terms of play action passing throughout the year, they were one of the top teams in terms of using that. They did it the third most in the league. And then looking back to the game two weeks ago that the Titans played against the Chiefs in the first half when they used play action, this is what Ryan Tannehill did. They had an 88% success rate, 13.5 yards per attempt. He threw a touchdown and a perfect 158.3 passer rating. So I think Jimmy G is a sneaky, sneaky play here in DFS formats. No one's going to want to play him if, if you can play Patrick Mahomes, right? And and so um, I think it's interesting. His yardage player prop, Okada, is at 246.5 is the last I saw. That got bet up. I might have missed the boat. Ooh, Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I agree with the first half of what you were just saying, which is that there's a very good chance that Jimmy G has a good and productive game. I think that it's more likely that it's a DFS off of touchdowns type of good game and less a 250 plus yard game. That makes it a little tough for me. Um, I would probably put him at like, you know, a 220 to 235 yards and two or three touchdowns. And so he still is a, he still is decent, probably for the value compared to Mahomes. But 250 plus yards, that's going to take them trailing for a lot of the game, yeah. which, as I may have mentioned, you might have. is not necessarily <laughs> the way I see it going. Yeah. No, it definitely is a line that I think if it keeps moving that direction, then certainly I'm in on the under. I think I'm going to wait it out and kind of see what happens. But I agree with you, 225, 230, something like that feels uh, a bit more appropriate for him. Let's talk about Pat Mahomes. We can't talk about this game without uh, the most popular player in it and certainly one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. So there's not much negative to say except for, do you think this defense can slow him down? Nope. (laughs) Uh, yes yes I think this defense can slow him down Um, I talked a little bit earlier about the fact that you can't beat him with the blitz and you can't beat him if you just give him all kinds of time the way to beat him is to pressure him without blitzing rushing three or four guys and just getting pressure on him especially up the middle Um, I I was uh, working with Charlie Casterly today was a former GM and uh, NFL Network talent. And he was talking about moving Nick Bosa inside so that you can get pressure up the middle on Mahomes and not allow him to step up in the pocket and make deep throws and things like that. So this 49ers defense is built pretty much as well as you can be built, at least up front, to beat Mahomes. It would certainly help if they had some a uh, better... If their elite corner was more right. of a speed guy than Richard Sherman... Um, but at the same time, like we've seen the Patriots, uh, have a little bit of success putting a, a speed guy on Tyree kill and then like moving a safety over there, uh, and dealing with him that way. And then putting their elite corner on Sammy Watkins. So we could see more of something like that, uh, from the 49ers, but will it happen? That was all the cannon happen. And yes, it can. Will it happen? Listen, man, I have not seen someone transcend 
more than Patrick Mahomes. He transcends everything. Every expectation that you could put on him, he just ends up being better than that. Um, so, honestly, the way I see it going, for whatever reason, is they get to him a lot early in the game, and it's messy, and he has a strip sack, and he throws a pick that's kind of ugly because he was rushed. And we think, oh my goodness, they're down 14 again. Could this finally be the one? And then he freaking comes out in the second half and throws 300 yards and three touchdowns and wins the game. I mean, he's not going he against Bill O'Brien this, is, this time, so I don't think the, the team would let down that's the true. way that does the Texans help. did. New GM yeah, yeah, Bill O'Brien. Dude, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, that's completely we'll talk a about that another different time. topic, but true. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, he is arguably the most talented player we I've ever seen. I didn't really watch much Barry Sanders. I think he might be up there. Uh, but just like as far as any position, most talented player, he's disgusting. So he is likely to transcend whatever amazing things the 49ers are able to throw at him. I think he ends up having a good game overall. Uh, but I do think it could be a slow start. So maybe that does affect you know, the props, the lines, uh, what you expect yeah, from Tony. I think that sounds about right. I mean, one thing that I want to talk about with Pat Mahomes, and I want to make sure this gets in the show, is is my favorite bet on the board from a player prop perspective. And it is his... Oh, Wait, go ahead, can go ahead. I guess? Oh, it, it absolutely have to has his to do rushing, rushing yards. Oh, I have already placed three separate wagers. One of which is total yards rushing at 30 and a half. I think he can sail over this mark. He's done mm. it the, the past two weeks. We're seeing a change in the way he's uh, being used from a, a you know a standpoint where when things break down, he needs to get out of the pocket. Andy Reid's not telling him to stop. He's going. And the other thing is we know with this defense, the way that you can beat them is with the mobile rushing quarterback. You've said it yourself, talking about your boy Kyler Murray, and the numbers speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. On quarterback scrambles that are not designed runs, this defense is giving up 5.4 yards per carry. So it only takes a few runs, and I think he sails over the mark. So I, I love that bet. The other one is longest rush for him, 11 and a half yards. You think he can Ooh. get there? Yeah, give me it. Yeah. Oh, easily. That is That is almost guaranteed to happen on a third and 10 late in the game at some point when everybody's playing prevent. And he just, you know, has Tom Brady does that. I feel like in in every big Super Bowl or playoff game, he'll have one long first down run. So certainly Patrick Mahomes can do it. And I think that the point you brought up is really uh, an important one, which is that this 49ers defense, as well as it is uh, set up to, you know, counter Patrick Mahomes with its ability to pressure without a blitz. At the same time, they have struggled against mobile quarterbacks. And that's largely because the more mobile the quarterback, the better they can escape those pressures and I think that there's a pretty decent chance uh that we saw a reserved Patrick Mahomes throughout a lot of this season especially after the knee injury because of that because of the fact that they knew they were going to get close to if not this far without having a run all over the place but at the same time we know he is capable of running as well as you know certainly an Aaron Rodgers maybe not a Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson but an upper tier rusher. We saw last week that disgusting 30 yard yeah, touchdown run. Sick. I think this, I think this could be an unleashing of Patrick Mahomes on the ground that we haven't seen uh, all season because of their, you know, wanting to, to hold him back. This is the final game. This is where all that counts. 
I think they could throw him out there, even on design runs, more than we have seen, and we could get well over 30 rushing yards and certainly more than a single 11-yard yes, carry. Yes, for sure. Eight. And then the third one to go along with that real quick, and then we can move on, is uh, there's a prop out there right now. I'm not sure if all the books have it, but basically it's a Jimmy G versus Pat Mahomes rushing yards, and you got to lay minus, I think it's 22.5 was the, lo- the last number I saw. So basically you know, mm-hmm. you're know, you giving 22.5 yards head start to Jimmy G. Can Pat Mahomes make up the difference? The answer is yes. This is Jimmy G's game logs from a rushing yards perspective since week oh gosh, two one seven one five one six five four. Then in the playoffs, zero Not and negative good. one. So, <laughs> I mean, if you like free money, then that's that's what I'm going after. <laughs> and because I said that, I just screwed myself. It's not going to hit, of course. So, uh, that's that's sports wagering for you. But that's that's my favorite one on the board. Uh, I'm really excited about it, as you can tell. Okay, man, any other specific players you want to talk about? We didn't really touch on the tight ends a ton, especially George Kittle. Anything you want to touch on with him? Oh, I mean, we definitely have to touch on them. They're arguably two of the best players in this game. They're certainly the best two tight ends in the league. Um, We've seen nothing from Kittle this playoffs because they haven't needed to. I think they're probably going to need to. This is the biggest game for them of the year, and he has stepped up in the previous big games. He is their best player on offense, without a doubt. Um, and he's gonna. I think he's gonna have to have a good game for the 49ers to win. So I would. I would definitely try to get in on George Kittle and hope that everyone else is looking at his recent games and thinking that he won't perform. Um, and then as far as Kelsey goes, he's gonna dominate. He's gonna be great. You cannot stop him. It's similar to the Patrick Mahomes situation. It's similar to Tyree Kill. And one of the main reasons is is because if you try to do Stop one of them, you're not going to stop the other, and the team will switch back and forth, and so they'll both end yep. up having a great game. Um, so, that yeah, I, I love both these guys. If I was playing DFS, I would probably try to get both of them into a lot of lineups. Um, yeah, they're going to be great. Yep, they are definitely agree. Not really much more to add to that. Really excited to watch those two battle uh, back and forth. Like you said, just the best tight ends in the game for sure. So that'll be fun. Okay, man, it comes down to this. Give me your pick. <gasps> let's go. Let's go ah! against the spread because it's only a one-point game. That's what Vegas has it at minus one for the Chiefs. Who's going to win? And then the over/under has been moved all the way up to fifty-four and a half. I've seen it at fifty-five a few places. Opened, I think, at fifty-one. So, hit me with uh with your pick there. Yeah. So the over/under is the I think more in- most interesting because that climb is getting precarious. Uh, I do think, like I have said, that both teams are going to have to score because the Chiefs are going to score, and therefore the 49ers are going to have to to keep up. But that's getting it pretty is. high. I, f- I feel like I might be leaning the under on 54.5 right now. Um, and honestly, that that part is easier for me. I uh, We are still, how many yep, days do we have? Five, five four, five? <laughs> I am going to take the full <laughs> five days to make my mind up, man. I, I am not sure yet. Um, I am rooting for the 49ers because of what we talked about on a previous pod. I just can't like the Chiefs. Uh, and I feel like that is biasing me a little bit towards them. But, yeah, I don't know if you can go against Patrick Mahomes. It seemed like a really bad idea. Uh, so I... I um, I reserve the right to change this completely at least six times between now and the game. Maybe I'll tweet my final pick right before the game. 
But I will, since we're on the pod now, I will say right now, I'm taking the 49ers by a yeah. field goal. Matt, two points. <laughs> safety. Two points on a game-winning field goal. <laughs> a game-winning safety. Um, yeah, man, it's going to be a great game. I In doing the research for this show and just like in my own um, you know, player props and like some DFS research, etc., I think we're going to see absolute fireworks in this game. I think it's going to be great to watch. I think it's going to be uh, really fun for all the viewers that are going to tune in. As far as my picks, I'm going to go with my heart here on this one. I'm going to take Andy Reid, and it's because of his his ties with Philly, of course, the head coach there for a long time. I could easily see a scenario where the Niners win, but as far as who is going to win, that's my pick. I'm going to say right now I'm sticking with the Chiefs, and I agree with you. That number as far as the over-under is climbing, and I don't think it's going to stop. At some point, obviously, the books aren't going to just keep going up, but when you look at like your casual gamblers, like the, the Super Bowl is the time that everyone bets on something right and usually people want to see more points it's it's common to bet the over on everything and i think it's going to either stay right where it is or even go up another point or or a half point so i'm going to take the under on that because of where it opened but my favorite bet i think is is probably going niners and chiefs teaser with uh, either six or seven points depending on what you get i ended up getting niners plus eight and over 47 so I think that is my my favorite move here as far as what I would actually do if I was giving advice to someone. So that, that's what I'm going to do from my own ticket. Uh, I will say, by the way, just as a reminder to everybody, last year we had the best offense we had ever seen. Not necessarily, but it was incredible. It was a destructive offense. Got to the Super Bowl. And faced this very good defense. Uh, a defense which I would argue is maybe not as good as this 49ers defense. That Super Bowl was 13-3. to <laughs> The Rams scored three that points. Was fun. So, yeah. I mean, Jared Goff is not Patrick Mahomes for sure. And Todd Gurley was banged up. But that offense was annihilating people. And then they got smothered by a defense that had two weeks to plan with a very, very good coach. The 49ers, I'm not saying, obviously, that Salah is as good as Belichick or even that Kyle Shanahan is as good as Belichick because nobody is. But this defense is extremely talented. They have game planned extremely well all year, and they are very good on both sides of the ball. I I think there's a good chance that we see less out of the Chiefs offense than we're typically used to seeing. And so that's why I'm kind of definitely leaning towards the under at this point on the score. But I do agree with you that it will be a very fun back and forth, and down yes, to the wire game. For sure. Last thing, Okada, let's just give the people a couple of fun player props, not necessarily related to the actual football game, and then we can get out of here. Let's talk Ooh. about the National Anthem. That's one that I feel like is, is a hot topic. Oh. It has been moved up from, I think it was 159 is the first time I saw it, something like that. It's now at 2 minutes and 4 seconds for Demi Lovato. She has Gosh. sung the National Anthem at several major sporting events, including... Uh, the World Series, including a big-time MMA fight. I think it was Conor McGregor, one of his fights. And she has gone on both sides of this, over a couple of times and under. So mm. I don't know what I'm going to do. I almost oh. always take the over on this because <laughs> it seems to be the type of environment where you know you just want to give the people a little something extra, hold that, that last note a little bit mm. longer. But two minutes and four seconds seems kind of high. I think I'm going to go under. Uh, I think I will also take the under bets. Uh, last year was a Gladys yes, Knight. Correct. Am I right about that? Yeah, she was. You know, she's an old, uh, older person, <laughs> older style. Very kind of you. Uh, obviously, <laughs> obviously, an older person than Demi Lovato. Um, 
And I feel like, you know, she has a little bit of grandiosity that she brought to the national anthem. Demi Lovato is a pop singer. She is edgy and young. I think you should keep it quick, punchy, be under 204. That Love is my it. deep I'm with analysis. You on that. The other one, what about the color of the Gatorade on the winning coach? Oh. This is one that I I think I'm going to go clear. I think I'm going to lean water this year. And I feel like red is like the Ooh. common thing because you're like, oh, the Chiefs are red, the Niners are red. It's got to be red. Yep. That seems too obvious. Yep. I'm going with water. Uh, I think that that is going to be a common reaction and that we are being reverse psychology out of red. And therefore, I'm going to All stick right. with red. Love it. Deep diving yeah. analysis here on the Red Shirts pod. Last one. Ah, red oh, shirts. All right, pod, I'm gonna Betts. go place the bet on the red right now. It has to be red. <laughs> I just now realized that as you were saying it, as and I was, I was saying it. So yes, my money is on the red. Okay, last one. This one requires lots of skill. You with me? Mm. I mean, we're full of skill, so Heads I'm sure tips. we'll be good. Oh. I've been hearing a lot of tales never fails around the social, uh, you know, interwebs. Um, I think I'm going to go heads. I think I'm going to go against the grain here. Yeah, I think that's a good move. I was actually listening to another podcast earlier this week, and they were bringing up the fact that, you know, obviously the coin is two-sided, and obviously that means you have a 50-50 shot of hitting the right one. And I think in the last, I forget what it was, I think it was like 40-something or 50 Super Bowls, (laughs) Okada is currently flipping a quarter on screen right now. It, I have a Two-Face coin from the uh, Dark nice. Knight movie. I don't remember where I got this, but uh, I just flipped it into his heads. Bet so. the house. <laughs> anyway, what they were saying on that show was that uh, in the, the history of what it has been, it has been tails about five or six more times than it has been heads, and by the law of statistics, heads should catch up sooner mm. than later. So I'm going to go ahead and use my high school stats class and go with heads uh, on this one. All right, man. That was a blast breaking down the Super Bowl. Uh, hopefully, you guys have some fun with us tonight. Hopefully, you're playing some DFS. Hopefully, you're making a little bit of money through some sports wagering, unlike Okada. Uh, we're back on Friday in two days. We're recording with Nate Hamilton, good friend of the show. And we'll probably be live for that. I think we're going to do it on Friday afternoon, probably at about 1.30, 2 o'clock. So look for a link from us on Twitter. You can find us on social media at RedshirtsFFPod everywhere that you were on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Okada is at Matt Okada. I am at the Fantasy PT. Until next time, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.